Greetings, Commanders. I'm Second Technician Fozzer Forrester, and welcome to Lave Radio Writers Interview with Elite Encounters. Joining us around the table this evening, we have Head of Station Entertainment, Chris Jarvis. Hello. Chief of Operations, John Stabler. Good evening. Lave Station Bar Steward, Grant Wolcott. Bar Steward? Hello. And also the, the GM himself, Mr. David Hughes. Greetings. Well, the plan for this episode is to record a live playthrough through the fantastic tabletop role-playing game Elite Encounters created by the wonderful Mr. Dave Hughes. Uh, we're planning on using a new system called Roll20, which allows you to run a tabletop role-playing game over the internet. So without further preamble, let's hand it over to the Games Master himself to explain a bit about the game and the scenario we will be running through tonight. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Dave Hughes. I'll be running tonight's very entertaining session of Elite Encounters with the Live Radio crew. What we're doing so at the start, we'll be generating characters uh, so that everyone has a part to play in the story that I'm going to make up as we go along. And uh, once we've done that, we'll then get to the, the story itself. The way I generally do these things is um, once the characters have been created, I'll have an idea how the party's going to run together, and then I can come up with some idea how to put them into a, a rip-roaring scenario of fun and frenzy. So without further ado, let's get started. Has everybody got a character sheet? Yes. Yep. Yes. First thing we need to do is roll up your uh, your statistics. Um, so those are the nine different things you've got in the front of your in front of your character sheet. You have physical and intellectual and personal stats. Now all of those start at the value of two. So if you can write a number two into each of those boxes for the moment, yes, everyone write in pencil and have a rubber handy as well because you need it. I think all my pencil erasers are at least fifteen years old and have uh, atrophied somewhat. I actually had to buy new rubbers just for going to the conventions with. I don't have any. <laughs> and I meant erasers. Oh, I very carefully sidestepped that. And you fell straight into it. <laughs> oh, and I thought you but, took your wife with you as well. I overestimated how popular it was going to be, okay? <laughs> how rock star. Off to a good start then. We're all very mature about this session. Yes. Oh, definitely. Right. Take 1d6 and roll it. If you can do that either on roll 20 or on your own desktop if you want to. Six. Eyes. Five. Those numbers that you've rolled are how many modification points you are allowed to put onto your statistics. Now, you have however many points you've rolled to go across the entirety of the stats you've got on your um, character sheet. So if you've rolled five, you can change five stats to go up one to three. So your, so your max value you can set a base to, I think Dave is saying, is you, you can't set anything higher than four. So if you've rolled five, you've basically got okay. five points to add to your base stats, but you can't put them all, you can't have like a, you know, a, a physique of seven or anything like that. The, the, right. the max human value effectively is four. Well, the, the maximum value in its entirety is six, but the maximum you can get from character generation is four. Okay, that makes sense. Again, as a complete RPG newbie, what do the various sort of physical, intellectual, and personal things go? So I'm assuming if I put some extra points into charisma, uh, if I meet a, a character along the way, I can possibly try and you know, use my charisma to charm them. That's right, yeah. Physique is your physical stature, so your, mus your muscularness, your, your build, essentially, your strength and endurance, that type of thing. Agility is your, your dexterity, your maneuverability, your ability to bend and twist. Um, speed is your speed of movement, um, how quickly you can change direction, how quickly you can go from a standing start to a sprint, that kind of thing. Uh, knowledge is how much you know. Awareness is how aware of you are of things around you. 
like if something's happening or something's changing, that's how well you'll notice it. Accuracy is essentially how accurate you are. If you throw something, how likely you are to be able to hit the target. It's also used for your shooting skills and all that kind of stuff. Charisma is your, um, hi, how are you doing skill. <laughs> um, focus is how well you can focus on a task at hand amidst distraction or other things going on. So, for example, if you're trying very hard to program a computer to do something, but the ship's blown itself up around you, then that'll tell you how well you can actually do that. And the very fancily named nociception, or nociception, I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced, I found it on Wikipedia, so don't blame me, is pain management, pain threshold, that type of thing. It's how well your body and your mind handle pain and the expectations thereof. So if this had been like a traditional sort of Dungeons and Dragons, if you wanted to be sort of like a barbarian, you'd put lots of points into your physique and your, I don't know, agility or something. That's right, yeah. The big difference for D&D player between that and this is D&D, your character class had a lot to do with your stats. Whereas what I've tried to do with Elite Encounters is say that you can have any sort of physical or mental status, but you can have any job. You might not be good at that job, but you could have that job. Trying to make it a little bit more realistic than saying that only fit people become barbarians or only the very clever people become tutors or anything like that. You might have a complete numpty who's a teacher one day in, in, in Elite Encounters. So. Well, it's, it's kind of like Elite Dangerous the game in that you can roll whatever profession you want, I guess. That's it, yeah. You can do what you want. That's, that's exactly it. You've hit that on the head there. Right. One other thing you can do with your stats once you've assigned your, um, your dice, your dice values, is you can if you so wish, take a point from something and transfer it to something else. And you can only do that once. It's only if something's still on two. You can take a point out of that and put it in something else. It will mean that you then have a stat of one for that, which would be a bit of a, a bit of an interesting role-playing situation, if you like. That's why it's optional. Okay. I won't do that. There are some people who prefer to do that kind of thing. And during the sessions at Fantasticon, there were a couple of people who did that to give themselves a very low score in something to make it a, a better a better role-playing and acting opportunity for them. For example, you, you could take, if, if you want to look at Darren Gray's character that he did in his short story, um, he's got cerebral palsy, that would be the kind of thing you could look at. You could have someone's physique could be down at one, which could mean they've either, either paraplegic or have problems moving around or anything like that, or they could have an accuracy of one, which means they just can't shoot for toffee. It just gives you a more rounded thing. If, if you want to specialise in one particular thing, like you want to have a clever character, but you want to do that at the sacrifice of another one of the abilities, then the opportunity to do that's there. I've I've done this. I've actually I've upped my accuracy uh, at the cost of my focus because I like to think that my character is very easily distracted by shiny things. Whereas, whereas so, I've, I've decided to reduce my charisma by down to one in order to increase the pain threshold because frankly, if my charisma's one, I'm likely to get punched a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Prophecy. So do we have the do we have the universe's least charismatic barman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's maybe not the best trait to have for a barman, is it? Okay, I've done my uh, attributes. What's next? Okay, um, you need to work out your average load and your max load. Multiply your physique by twenty and add that into your average load box, and then multiply your average load by two and put that in your max load box. The average your average load is what you can carry on a regular day without any problems. For a particular length of time. Down towards your health and wounds box, you've got a max trauma box. Again, if you multiply your physique by two and add that number in there, that's how many hits you can take before you die. Or at least before you start to die. So if I've given myself an extra point in physique up to three, so I basically times that by two and get six. That's right, yeah. Okay. That's how maths works. I don't say that. I had to get the calculator out for average load. <laughs> Has everyone done that? I have. I have. I'm going to brush quickly past those comments. 
<laughs> uh, right, so that's all the derived values then. So to go back up to the top, you've got aptitudes there. If you roll 1d3, does anybody, everybody know what a 1d3 is? Uh, one roll of a six-sided dice. That's right. Okay. One and two equals one. Three and four equals two. Five and six equals three. Right, that's how many aptitudes you have. In the book, there is a, a chapter called aptitudes. Um, in that, it lists what all the aptitudes are. Now, you can, if you wish, pick them at random and just pick the ones you want. Or you can be more random about it and you can roll a d66. Does everybody know what a d66 is? Uh, it's a six-sided dice that you roll 60 times. No. <laughs> you roll one d6 and that's your first digit. Then you roll another d6 and that's your second digit. So you can get numbers between 11 and 66, basically. Well, for the purposes of haste, should we do that? I killed Joy. Like you, you do end up with some slightly weird aptitudes doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> if, you pick, if, you, if you pick them yourself, it does actually make for a more, a, a more controlled character. Whereas if you, get, if you do them at random, you can end up with some bizarre stuff. Like one guy had fishing. I don't have a clue what to do with them for the entire game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little more controlled if you pick them yourself. I just managed to roll animal life. So this non-charismatic barman can tell you all kinds of things about the mating practices of a gnu. <laughs> Is he basically Norman Bates? <laughs> <laughs> it's being said more and more like him. Well, I'm, I'm, I've randomly rolled one, but I'm going to pick the next one. That's what I thought I'd do. I thought I'd go for one random one and yeah. one chosen one. Foz has got three. I've got three. I've got computers, electronics, and I'll go to random. Five. <laughs> public speaking. <laughs> Second Tech Forester is good at public speaking. I really don't think so. Which is why he hosts a radio show. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's the union representative. Okie doke. <laughs> for him and the third technician. <laughs> Okay, that's done. So I've got public speaking, computers, and electronics. What the rest have you got? Well, I only <laughs> had one, so I decided to pick wisely, and I went for space flight. Oh, good. You can be our pilot. And as a barman, I have animal life. <laughs> 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 and law and justice. I, I, I have driving and psychology. Wealth. Let's find out how much money you've all got. Uh, to calculate the amount of credits the avatar has available to buy equipment, roll 4d6 and multiply the total by 100. See, one of the things, I mean, obviously this is an aside, because this, show, this podcast isn't about roll 20, but if you're using roll 20, one of the things you can do is type into the chat window, roll 4d6 times 100, and it just gives you the final number, which is quite nice. Right, not to get boring and back on topic, but I have to say, Dave, I am now complaining about your dice. Typical when it comes to rolling for wealth, it's no longer rolls 5, I've got fours, threes, ones. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I shall send a strongly worded letter to dice.co.uk. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks to your dice, I'm now a great public speaker who is poor. Oh, we, we will expect some dice shaming photos from you, Fozzer. Some what? Have you not come across... <laughs> uh, you, you know pet shaming, where people hang signs around their pets' necks? Yeah. They did. Well, gamers do this with dice. Really? So you, you take a photo of your dice on a piece of paper explaining what they Oh, my make. God, you're right. What the <laughs> hell is this? Uh, my owner didn't make her character scared of ghosts. <laughs> I did. I never rolled higher than 10 when it came to fighting ethereal beings. I like this one. I left my owner on fire for five turns and proceeded to fail a save against petrification. <laughs> right, so you've all got money now, have you? Yes, not much. So uh, now you need to go to the rule book get to the equipment section, and buy some shit. 
I just need face protection. That's the main thing I need. So, so Chris, you don't need face protection because you've been shot in the face. Fozzer and Grant need face protection. <laughs> it is. This is though one of the. I mean, interesting challenges with role playing games is sometimes you you come up with a character and you sort of think, well, I'll pick equipment that's appropriate to that character, which I still think is the right way to go about things. But actually, there's almost a kind of gaming approach where you think, kind of what I really need to survive this adventure is armor and a weapon. Um, whereas, you're, you know, if your character would basically just wear, you know, a flight jacket in a stylish way <laughs> and not carry anything else, then you're kind of in trouble. Well, that's one of the things about this game that, I've tried to develop it to be not just a combat game. So the focus isn't always on fighting everybody. It's not just having a fight, having a combat role, and then getting on with what's going on. It's supposed to be geared more towards stories. So combat is something you shouldn't expect to get into if, you, if you're not like a security guard or a, a fighter character, that type of thing. So I have tried to make it so that you can spread out a little bit. Because I've found quite a lot of games that I've played, quite a lot of games that I've run, always seem to think, well, action's the only thing that everybody really wants. You only ever want to get into a fight. And I prefer to have a little bit of a thought process behind some of the stories now, like puzzle solving or something like that, if I've got time to develop that kind of thing. Yeah. But for these short-form, single-session games, it tends to be more action-oriented because that's what's quick to do and what's fun to do. Mm. I would suggest you buy armour. I'm a little bit confused when it comes to the equipping armor and stuff because looking at the tri- the triple protection and stuff, you've got your your cost, your mass, your TL tech level. So what does the what does the tech level affect? Is it to do with where what systems you can buy this equipment from? Yeah, primarily. That's all, that's all it really is. A currency generation doesn't really make any difference at all. But when you're actually in the game and you want to go somewhere and buy some equipment, it will depend on where you are as to what you can buy. I'm looking at ships. Can't afford any. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to steal one. He'll be fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? Well, technically, you have the orange sidewinder. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've already done it stats on a ship sheet at this end. Hey. <laughs> if one of you wants to write them in, I think maybe... Who, who's the pilot of your um, orange sidewinder, then? going to be John now. Yeah, it's me. He'll, yeah. he'll be upset if anyone else scratches it. Uh, so I was going to ask what the... Um, oh, I think I found it actually under the shells because I was writing a shotgun in for equipped weapons and I was looking for type, but I think it's hard projectile, is it? Depend on the shot you're going for, on the, on the sort of cartridge you're going for. Because the cartridges should be listed in the equipment list as well. Okay. And I think you've got either slug or shot. Yeah, so having said that I could have different types of ammunition, I don't think I can afford different types of ammunition. <laughs> Is there any advantage of actually having any cash left over? Not, not in this single session, no. Okay. If it was the start of a campaign where you were going to go wandering across the galaxy and trying to do different things, then yes, obviously having some money left over would help. If you had uh, your thousand credits left over to fill your ship up with something you could trade, then that would be awesome. Because I still can't see a wrench anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, where the wrench would be, in, your, um, equi- in the equipment list, you've got task-oriented items. Oh, Underneath that section, you have construction tools. And underneath construction tools, you have power tools and handheld tools. And they're all in there. They're not listed by name. You don't have wrench, but you have spanner, which is close enough. Right, I think I'm just about... uh... No, I've got my wrench. I'm just about done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, nice. That's ready mysterious. It's nice. It should be, because Alan's Stroud wrote it. Oh, I see. You've got that into Roll20, have you? I have, yeah. 
It takes things from SoundCloud. Oh, does it? Uh, okay. Remember, Alan, Alan put all this stuff on SoundCloud. So. Thank you to Alan Stroud for tonight's soundtrack. Right. Are we all ready to start? I think yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Space. The planet Leave. Out of the darkness appears a single Coriolis station, spinning slowly against the backdrop of an orange-tinged world. As we pan past the station and look into the distance, we see a small white dot emerge from the darkness. It is a small ship, a cobra, spinning and twisting in random fashion out of control and heading straight for the station. No pilot. Nothing. On the station, four people. Unaware of what's about to hit them. Literally and figuratively. The first. The barman. A small, slight figure. second, the station's operations officer, sitting in the bridge, wondering what he's doing there. Second technician, strutting across the corridor, trying to get to the latest machine that's failed. And another bloke, whose role I can't remember. <laughs> Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably sorting out some sort of alternative entertainment. Somebody who's probably sorting out some kind of alternative entertainment. First instance, first inkling they have that something could be wrong is when a small orange light glows on the operations manager's desk. The first thing he thinks is, Where the fuck is the station commander? Daddy, sorry, were you recording? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Way, way, to, way to cut the atmospheric open. <laughs> That gets left in. That was fucking been scripted. That was brilliant. Brilliant. I shall beat her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was doing so well. Got right in the right in the character. Then I've gone totally out of it again. Right, it's me. A small orange light is glowing on your control panel. Okay, I'm going at to. The, at what? the moment, the only, at the moment, the only person involved here is John. Okay, I'm going to access the computer and get more information on that orange blinking light. It's a proximity warning alarm. There is a ship approaching, uh, not on a normal path, but it is on a direct course towards the station. Okay. It doesn't have any communication signals coming from it, and no communication has been made with you so far. Okay, I'm going to hail it just in case. Um, you hail it. There is no response. Okay. I need to raise the alert there of some sort. Okay, make a raising alert control the roll then. <laughs> no, that's fine. You just pretty press a button which puts the station at yellow alert, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, everyone else in the station, you see the you hear a very familiar alarm. Come on. Warning! Warning! Yellow alert! Everyone to stations, please. That sounded a bit like Zen from Blake Seven. Yeah. I was going to say, was that, I was going to ask if that was you. I thought that was, <laughs> sounds like uh, K Nine. Sounds like John Leeson, who's the same voice actor. It's the same person, yeah. It is, yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sessions at Yellow Alert, which means anyone who has a, a role they need to fulfil should be doing it. Did we have to change the bulb? <laughs> yes. Was I did that? I'm all right. I'm just continuing to clean glasses here. <laughs> okay. So, um, Fozza, you are currently responding to a, a broken down machine in the docking area. It is a vending machine, of course. When you arrive at the do- at the machine, you see that it has been actually vandalised. It is cracked all across the front. The plexiglass panel on the front that holds everything in has been prized away, and there are several chocolate bars missing from this machine. The docking bay itself is pressurised, obviously, and is relatively empty at the moment. There are no ships berthed anywhere near this machine. Okay, I'm going to um, hit the vending machine with my wrench. Is that how you usually fix these things? Absolutely how it always gets fixed. <laughs> okay, roll a, um electronics roll, I think, in this one, I think. Okay, so what are we doing with that then? That is knowledge, your knowledge level. Which should, uh, Just... it? It's the number of dice equal to your knowledge plus your uh, plus one for your electronics aptitude. Okay, so my knowledge is three, so I roll three, three dice Four. six, yeah? Four. Okay, so three. On roll 20, if you wouldn't mind. Five. What? On roll 20, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Well, you don't trust your own dice, or you don't trust me? I don't trust my own dice. (laughs) So, um, how do I do this on the thing? I just type in... Slash roll. Slash roll. Space. Yeah. 4d6. I'll just do the simple way at the moment. 4d6. Um, Okay, you get one success. Uh, No, that doesn't fix it. The glass is still broken. The chocolate (laughs) bars are still missing. (laughs) Okay, I think I need to go and get another pane of glass from the the warehouse at the back. Okay, you head off to do that then. Um, Barman. Yes? You see the yellow alert klaxon come on. Uh, Oh, sorry, you hear the yellow alert klaxon go, go off. I meant... Majority of the patrons in the bar uh, sort of rush out to do things. And you're left with three or four people in the actual main area of the bar and a couple of people sitting at the bar itself. One of them has been sitting there a couple of hours and hasn't said much at all other than just ordering more Aldebaran brandies. That's the wrong series, isn't it? Levian brandies, sorry. The other guy is someone, you've, he's been on the station for a while, you know him, he's one of the crew, but he's obviously not in duty at the moment because he's sitting there nursing his 18th water. Well, there will be a wonderful little chat with this gentleman drinking the brandy. And I think I'll say to him, excuse me, get your what? elbows off my bar. Why, my elbows? I don't have my elbows on the bar, I can't hold my drink up, can I? Well, you know, I, I like to welcome people into my bar by, uh, you know, encouraging them not to touch my equipment. Um, you seem to be drinking an awful lot of Brandy. Um, any particular reason? I've not got long now. They're about here. I won't have any peace for much longer. I'm enjoying it well. I've got it. Right. Can I interest you in a shot of Janks? Uh, no, thank you. I'll stick to the brandy. 
Right, I'll just go and uh, see if I've got some of my special branded in. <clears throat> I know there's a wee amber alert going on in this station, but oh, what do I care? I'm just the barkeep. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make it awkward to get you into this game, actually, being the barkeep, but I mind. I'll think of something. I've just realised that I'm in charge of this station and I've got, you know, no idea what to do, so I'm going to have to go and seek counsel with the barman. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the effort of helping out, John. Thank you. So I'm going to make uh, my way down there. First here you go, sir. Here's the... got, got Chris to deal with first. Here's another uh, brandy for you. Why, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Um, how many is it you had now? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to do a quick check. I'm checking your credit. Uh, five times uh, twelve. That's uh, six hundred credits. You should be pissed enough now to believe that. That's some prices there. Right, leaving that situation for the second, I'll go across to Chris J. Hello. Two, you had to have the same name, didn't you? <laughs> so, what do you do again? You're an entertainment officer. Right. Yeah, so I've probably You're got. I've probably running a party. Yeah, I've probably got a suite of customers all plugged into sort of uh, immersive virtual reality pleasure devices of some sort or another. So they're all playing Elite Dangerous on Oculus Rift? Probably. <laughs> Can't blame them. Um, yeah, as you see, the Amber Alert comes on. The same thing happens to you. Quite a lot of the clients in there go off and head about to the various duty posts and so on, but one or two stay. Um, there's not much interest in really going on here to involve you in at the moment, but you may get something happen soon. Well, I decide, I decide I'm a bit bored because everyone's entertained and they're doing stuff, so I'm going to wander up to the bar for a drink. Incidentally... One thing I forgot to ask at the very start was, although you are all sort of friendly in real life, your characters in the station, are they all aware of each other? Are they all pally with each other? Or are they all part of their separate little groups? No, we all know each other. Due to the fact we run a radio show together. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's canon to the uh, story then, is it? Yeah, it might as well uh, be. Just totally. Fair enough, fair enough. That's fine. Makes it easier. Okay, so uh, you're heading off to the bar, Okay. Uh, while you're on the way to the bar, I shall hang off for John. Ship's still there, still getting closer. The duty post that you're on, on the bridge, um, has a few more people in it now. Uh, a few people managing the docking systems, managing the weapon systems, and putting a call out for the station commander, who still can't be found. Yeah, the, the order I'm going to give is that if that ship gets too close without responding to hails, then it's going to have to be destroyed. We could send out tugs says one of the officers in the back. Ah, that costs money. Um... No, it doesn't. It only costs money if they break. Okay. Um, fine. Well, in that case, then, I will send out some uh, some tugs or some, some investigatory air, uh, craft to find out what's the problem. It's a shame you're not in my entertainment area because, actually, we, you know, we do tug jobs really cheaply. <laughs> <laughs> You put a call out for shuttle pilots to man the docking bay and then launch the little tugs. In the meantime, Chris, for Forrester, sorry. He's got his plane of glass, but knows that the station commander isn't on the station, so goes to the bar rather than goes back to the fix to the vending machine. So he carries the plane of glass into the bar <laughs> to have a quick drink on the way to fix the job. All right, okay. Chris, how are you doing? Um, <laughs> usual baby sham? <laughs> no, having a look at the vending machine downstairs, I think it's going to take something a little bit harder than that tonight. Give me a labium brandy. 
God, I'm, Levian Brandy's killing me. I'm, I'm selling so much of it. This guy over here's had 12 already. And he's oh, still sitting on stool. All right, here you go, sir. There you go, Chris. Enjoy. Cheers. The guy, the guy that models his glass on this one. Chris. Excellent. Any idea what this Amber Alert's all about? <laughs> what do I care? That's John's territory. I'll tell you what, we'll know we're in trouble when he appears. <laughs> Um, Chris, you're there now. I, I, I've just swanned in in my uh, long velvet coat and broad-rimmed hat. What now, Chris? Uh, it's quiet down in the entertainment suite. I thought I'd pop up for a uh, cheeky G&T. Right, okay. Um, not sure I've got any tea. Um... <laughs> I'll, I'll, just G is fine. No worries. Yep, got some of that. Some good old Dizzle G. Here you go. Thank you very much. Is that not just grub juice? Grub juice and tonic. Synthetic grub juice at that. It's true. It's quite nice. Shall I um, open the viewing bay window and we'll have a wee look and see what there's amber alert and see if there's anything cool to see outside? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's have a look at the the view. Yeah, no problem. Hold on, I'll just open this window. No, well, obviously... I won't open the window. <laughs> and you're all dead. <coughs> it's awfully windy in here when I do that. Uh, <clears throat> just open up the shield window and have a look and see what's going outside. The bar does face the front of the station, obviously. I thought it would have been a pointless thing to do for the story. Um, outside, you can see a bit, of, a bit of commotion. There are some small tugs floating around, a couple of ships. But in the distance, you can see there is a ship approaching, which seems to be... It's not producing the same amount of flare from its engines as you would normally expect from a ship on approach. The only reason you can see it is because of the fact that the spotlights from most of the tugs seem to be trained exactly on it as they approach. John, the tugs make their way out, approach the ship, and bring it to a not so much a standstill, but a, a more controlled trajectory, shall we say, and start to bring it towards the station. Commander Stabler, we've got the ship. Do you want us to bring it into the docking bay? We've done a quick scan. There don't seem to be any strange emanations from it or signals from it. No life signs on it at all. Okay, bring it in and put it into quarantine, please. Okay. Roger, Roger. I'll get as many sci-fi references into this game as I can. <laughs> okay, so do we, uh, us watching this going on the bar, do we recognise it as a, a drifting ship? You're all wanting to say it's Alan's ship, aren't you? Well, no, 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 I was thinking that. Is, is, there, is there any obvious signs of damage? From your viewpoint in there, as it gets closer to the docking bay, you can see there are scorch marks all over it. Um, the lighting is off. The cockpit is cracked, but not broken. And there is, yeah, some severe scoring on it. It's been hit by a few laser blasts in its, in its most recent history. Can oh. I just check out the ship registration information to see if there's anything I should know about this craft in the computer? You can. Um, you type it into the computer. The registration number comes back. It's saying property of R.C. Smith. Do I know who R.C. Smith is? Nope. The registration points him. He's a lave civilian, or a lave citizen, shall we say, um, who is known to register a ship and flies it from here. Can I find out where this ship, in the, the manifest, where it was due to fly to and back from? Uh, that's not in the system. 
Okay, second second tech. Have you got um, have you got a toolkit on you? Yeah, I've got my multi-purpose uh, trusty wrench tucked away in my belt at the moment. Do you know how to extract a um, uh, a flight recorder from a from a ship? Yes, I think you hit the console hard enough, and it drops out the bottom. Listen, because my customers, you know, my customers who are looking for immersive experiences, ships that have absolutely been totaled in space battle, you wouldn't believe how many people want to experience that without actually getting into the danger of it for real. So if we can get the video feed off that ship of it being blasted to pieces as a victim, we can make a lot of money out of this. Hey, I'm gaining if you are. You're a sick mortal. Hey, it's entertainment. I don't judge my customers. I just know what's popular. And I just go where the money is. I'll tell you what, you know, I've picked up some things from people in the bar from time to time. <clears throat> Mostly how to stand up when absolutely legless. But um, and, and how much vomit you can hold in your mouth at one time. <laughs> but I suppose we should really go and see if John needs our help, because this there's one looks a, like a big one. There's a clink of glass behind you, and the uh, the bar hanger has come up behind you and is looking at it and saying, <laughs> Never fear, Smith is here. Can I ask what the guy knows about the ship? Don't know much about it, but I know the guy who had that ship, and looks like had is the operative word there. Unless he's finally met his demise. He was um, one for trading the exotic goods, shall we say. And, Here, uh, have, another, have, a, have another brandy. Oh, thank you very much. Why don't you have one yourself? Oh, that one's on me. I don't drink, I'm a barman. Is this going to cost another 100 credits, is it? <laughs> no, that one's on me. I'm, I'm going to get that one for you. Well, knowing the situation's under control and that it's been brought into the docking bay, I'm going to go down there to go and manage the situation. Where? The docking, docking bay. I'm going to keep plying this guy with the drink to see if I can loosen his tongue even further. I'm going to suggest to Jarvis that we go down to the docking bay before uh, Stabler gets there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He'll, ne- he'll never let us lift the, uh, the video log from the ship. Let's go, quick. Let's do it. Okay, um, I'll finish off dealing with Grant and the bar guy first before I move on to the, the docking bay happenings. So you knew the guy that um, owns that ship then? Didn't know him as such, known by reputation. He's been in here a few times. You'd probably know him if you saw him. But uh, let's just say we've had a few conversations in the past about what he does. And I, although I don't approve, you know, each to their own, each to their own career. Make, mm-hmm. Takes many, to make a muckle, all that kind of stuff. Um, he, had, he got his job, he made his money, does what he does. I just think that what could be in his cargo hold could either be worth looking at or worth looking for if it's not on his ship. I think you'll find if your friends there have gone to find his log, then it might be worth taking a look. Not my cup of tea at all, but uh, oh. I prefer the safe life. Any sort of um, suggestion? Is it some kind of uh, slavery that he's into trading? Or? Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. Purely technological stuff. But just Good, because I... Interesting hate... technological stuff. I hate Imperials. <laughs> well, um, I suppose oh, then well. I'm going to... Have a wee wander down to the uh, docking bay as well and have a look at this. So, um, last orders, please. Bar's do closing de- five. Do you not have any deputy staff members that you could actually turn the bar over to rather than close it? No, that's true. Oh, come on, look at my charisma. I don't give a crap about my customers. I'm going to hear this place is shut. Get yeah, up, drink coming. up, and piss off. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You close the bar, as everyone says. 
um, and you head off down to the dock and be with everybody else. Your erstwhile drinking companion declines to follow you there and says, I think I'll leave you to find this one out for yourself. I've told you all you need to know. Good night. Right, docking bay. Mr. Stapler, Mr. Forrester and Mr. Jarvis get there first. Get there all at the same time. Roughly. <laughs> I'm going to assume, Chris, you're not carrying that pane of glass around, are you? Still. I've left that in the bar. Left it in the bar. Fair enough. I'm sure Grant will have it sold in a week. Okay. You head off to the quarantine area where you've got this ship docking. And the tugs have put it into place. The sensors and scanners in, in the quarantine area do not show any particular pathogens or diseases or, or organic material that could be worrying. There is organic material on board the ship, but it is not coming up as being a threatening form of organic matter. It is more like what used to be a person, that type of organic matter. Um, can I ask a couple of security personnel to go and check it out? You can, as if by magic, security personnel appear from nowhere and say, what are your orders, sir? Yeah, go and check out what's on that ship to see if there's anyone dangerous or dead people or something like that. Dangerous or dead people. Yep, okay, we're off. Head off, suit up, head on board. You're a couple of clunks. Um, And then they come back out again and say, one dead body... Um, looks like he suffocated, sir. Uh, we haven't gone into the cargo holds yet. We just thought we'd let you know that. We've done the top decks. Looks like there's only one crew member. Only one cabin seems to be occupied, or seems to have been occupied. The other one is empty. And the cargo bait is locked. So we'll go and unlock that now. Um, Fozzer, good to see you. All right, John, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I'm glad you're here, actually, because the security people have just said that the uh, cargo bay door's locked. Do you think you could uh, go and sort that out for me? Yeah, absolutely, no problem. I'll have a look at the um, the flight recorder whilst we're there and maybe get you some answers on that as well. Well, uh, I'd, I'd prefer it if you just focused on the uh, the door for now. Are you sure flight recorders are my thing? I can really help you out with that. Well, just make the door a priority, all right? We'll yes, check sir. the flight recorder in a second. <laughs> so I, I will go that. onto the ship and... Uh, hit the door with my wrench. I'll go with him. As you're, as you're having that conversation, Grant arrives, obviously. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, what the fuck is the barman doing here? <laughs> oh, just there's this wee punter in the bar. He was just saying, you know, that you knew the guy that owned the ship and it was probably worth having a wee look at his cargo. Well, what did he say about the cargo? Uh, that it was probably worth having a look at. Um... That was about as much as I got out of him. He just said the guy was into some, you know, something quite interesting, and it would be definitely worth working out what he had on his ship and uh, locating it. Grant, shh, stable as a knock. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, sir, given that there might be something interesting in, in the cargo bay that could be quite dangerous, maybe I should just have a look at the um, flight recorder instead. Have you, uh, have you got the door open yet? Well, no, because I just said what Grant said, and I don't want well, to go in. For, well, if you want to see what's in the cargo bay, get the fucking door open. I want to see what's in the cargo bay. It could be dangerous. I'll tell you what, me, just... me and the barman, will, uh, we'll, we'll have a little look at the flight recorder, and you uh, you, you focus on the door. No, no okay. Yeah, that sounds fine. Just get on with it, Fozzo. <laughs> I go back to the door and start hitting it again with my wrench. Right. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do any actual technicing stuff, or are you just going to hit things with wrenches the whole game? That is pretty much what I do. <laughs> okay, you hit it with a wrench, it makes no difference other than a few little dents. 
you think okay. that maybe this this might require a little bit more of the uh, vast amount of technical experience that you may have gathered over the past few years. Fine, okay. I will have a look at the access panel. Okay. Right, dicey time. If you may roll, um, make a knowledge and electronics roll again. Same as you did last time. Five, four, five, and three. Yep, that's three successes. So you have successfully hacked into the computer systems and retrieved the flight recorder. Hey! This is a big red box sitting inside everything. The only trouble is, this is the stuff that's linked into the Pilot Federation equipment. So in order to be able to get that out, you will trigger an alarm. Hmm. You can access it remotely, which may be an easier option. I was going to say, I was when, when I was looking at the personal items, there was something about um, having personal audio and video recording equipment, and I was tempted to take it. So let's say I've taken it. Let's say that, yeah. <laughs> I want nothing that tells me you haven't. So You can log into the flight, flight recorder's information. Um, I will say that given Foz's result, he can manage to patch uh, Mr. Jarvis's equipment into that. And you can see the flight path he's taken to leave came through Tianisla and let's say Orerv for the sake of argument. And I did all of that by trying to open the cargo bay. I thought you weren't opening the cargo bay. You thought you were going to do you were going to do the flight recorder because you wanted to leave the cargo bay at the security guys. I was told to do the cargo bay. Fozza, have like... you been disobeying my direct orders? <laughs> this is the third time this month. <laughs> So what have you found on that flight recorder? Oh, it turns out that this uh, this guy's just... Uh, he's been reasonably local. He's, he's come from uh, Oriev to, uh, to Tien Islet before he got here. How about you take those excellent hacking skills and get that door open? Yes, uh, go back to the cargo bay doors and look for the access panel on the right-hand side. Okay, there is an access panel on the right-hand side. You can get the cover off that without having to hit it with a wrench. <laughs> Do I need a code or anything to get in? Um, you would do if you had one. It's obviously security tied to the person that owns the ship, so you will have to hack into it if you want to open it. Okay. Unless, unless there is another option you can think of that may be easier. Uh, is it possible to get the uh, the dead crew member and use him to open the door? Well, given that he's been kind of bobbing about in the bridge while you've been trying to hack into his flight recorder, then yes, he is readily available. Make an awareness roll. Um, everyone who's on the bridge at that point. And again, do that through roll 20 so I can see what you get. So what do we need to know what our awareness is, which is... Your awareness is on your um, in your character sheet. Yep. Yeah, I've got awareness three. i got three and two fives. John got fours. Okay, you've all made enough rolls. You can actually see that there is an access ring on the guy's finger. That may be something to do with the accessibility to the ship. Can I hit it with my wrench? Really? <laughs> we need to get the ring off. <laughs> okay. Um, make a physique roll, please. Oh, really? I was joking. Yeah. Okay. No, well, don't joke. <laughs> you don't I'll, make, I'll make your roll for the bastard. You don't joke with the GM. Yep, you successfully hit his finger with the wrench, <laughs> which then comes off. Oh. Hey, guys, we could probably use this to open the door. Ew. I think one of us is going to have to catch that finger. <laughs> Can I roll to take the wrench off, Fozza? <laughs> Depends. Is Fozza going to let you? No, it's an integral part of my character. Do you seriously want to, want to, do you want to pursue that, John? No, I'm just muttering under my breath. Oh, right, okay. get that door <laughs> und, undone, please. Right, you, you can take the ring off that finger. 
and you put it onto, you can either put it on your own finger or you can carry it with you. Take it into the cargo bay door, put it against the cargo bay door, and the cargo bay door refuses to open. Yeah. Tries to open and then goes. Ah, can I use my wrench to pry open the door? Yes, you can. Make a physique roll. Yeah, you get your wrench in there and you can actually pull the door apart. It looks like the locking mechanism on the, or the opening mechanism on the door is broken down. Probably part which is probably due to the damage the ship's taken. The cargo bay is now open. I step to one side and I say to John, after you. <laughs> I draw my weapon. <laughs> is it dark? Can um, I see into the cargo bay? Um, not very well, no, it is dark in there. I do actually have a flashlight. Hey! Well, before you get that out, is there a light switch? Oh, boo. Um, there is, but the ship's on emergency lighting. Obviously, the cargo bay doesn't have emergency lighting for some reason. Can I give hey, John I'll... my flashlight? I'll get my flashlight out and I'll follow John in as well to give him some backup. Wait, wait. Guys, you've got the flashlights. You go in. Oh, crap. Come on, Fozzer. We can do this. It's fine. I'll just get my club out. Uh, can I push Grant ahead of me? <laughs> you can't. Why does the barman carry a flashlight? <laughs> hey, when they get a queue at the front door and some guy's being an arse, there's nothing better than hitting him on the head with the back end of your torch. <laughs> okay, as you cast your beams around the interior of this cargo bay, you can see that there's not a lot in it um, other than a single cargo canister, which is kind of sitting on its side. It's obviously came loose from its moorings and during the Docking manoeuvres has cluttered about the cargo bay somewhat because there are a few dented panels and a few dented bits on the floor. Well, I was going to check around if I can to make sure that there's nothing leaking. Make an awareness roll then. Okay, well, but it's just him. Um, you can all do one if you want to check. Well, there's only two of us in the cargo hold, isn't there? Well, is there? Yeah. Because John's still standing at the door like a chicken. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with John with his gun. <laughs> so that would be Both a roll, roll f- for your awareness. So three. Is there a repeat command on this uh, roll 20? You can use Jesus. our row and it, oh, gives, it gives you previous commands. And also, if you go to the dice icon, which is on the little toolbar, if you click on that, it comes up with a list of your last ten rolls. And you can just click them. Chris got six three three. Grant got four two four. Um, Chris, you can hear a faint hissing noise. Grant, you can't hear anything. Grant, I think it's hissing. Why don't you go and have a look? <laughs> the hissing isn't coming from the cargo canister. It's coming from somewhere in the cargo bay. Can I follow the uh, sound of the hiss? Yep. It takes you to um, the port wall of the cargo bay, where there has been a bit of damage to the coolant systems there. There is a bit of a leak. While he's doing that, then I'll check and have a look at the canister. Okay. The canister is slightly dented, not badly dented, because obviously they're made to take some punishment, these things. Um, but there are some dents and scrapes all over it. It's a fairly new canister, clean, so it hasn't been used for any particularly dirty types of action or dirty types of, of cargo. Um, the control panel for it, you can look... Off on the top surface from where it's lying on the floor. It's obviously lying lengthways on the ground at the moment. And the control panel is somewhere on the top. Okay, well, I'll try and see if I can get a display of what's actually inside. That will mean climbing to the top of the canister. Because they're about, what, they're about four metres tall? They're big. About, about two metres diameter or something like that? Does that sound a bit right? Yeah, they are big. 
Yeah, I'll give it a go. You have to climb up it. Make a physique check then. Right, my physique I have made to four. Awesome. So that is a... See, if, if I was going to go diceless, I would say that's an automatic success, because it's difficult if this is four. He's a bit out of shape, but he just manages it. <laughs> <laughs> well, two successes out of four, that's not bad. You clamber up, you're now sitting astride of the canister, um, rip-torn style. All you need to do is to drop out of the ship and then go yeehaw. <laughs> I'll try and avoid that, because that doesn't sound particularly good. <laughs> if I can just um, try and punch up and activate this panel and see what's inside. You can. Um, it says electronic equipment. Pish. Fozza, this is one for you. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, do I have to climb up? <laughs> Depends what you want to do. What do you want I, to can, I can give you a hand up, which will make it a bit easier. Uh, can Grant open it from there, or...? The controls for opening it are on there, but they are um, on a security code. So okay. Somebody who knows the code to open it. Can I bring that guy's finger in again or not? You certainly can. Okay. I... Actually, can I throw the uh, finger to Grant? You can, yeah. Okay. Grant, catch this. Make an agility check, Grant. Are you going to try and catch it? Yes, I'm going to try and right, catch make it. An, make an agility check, then. Oh, dear me, this is not going to be good. <laughs> I can't believe we're throwing a finger around. <laughs> Here we go. I have an agility of two. Fortunate. Because if you'd failed that, you'd have fell off. <laughs> You've caught it. You've caught the finger. I'm going to press this against the uh, the display and see if I can get it to open. That works. Unlocking. At this point, I'm going to get off the damn thing before it opens <laughs> and flips on me. Uh, yeah, just as well you did, because the panel flips open. The top panel flips open to the right. There you go, Foz. Okay, can I inspect it, the um, contents? Inside is a weird mismatch of various different electronic electronic items. There are ship parts in here. There are computer parts in here. There are even what look like uh, neural net components in here. A very interesting hodgepodge of stuff that's in there. Um, can I use either my aptitude in computers or my aptitude in to electronics to throw some insight as to what it could possibly be for? You can, if you make the roll, which is knowledge plus electronics. So that's three plus one? Yeah. Okay. So it's four. four. <laughs> You're going to rake through the entire canister, basically, looking at what each thing is. Is that about right? Yeah. Okay. The majority of the stuff that's in there are things like ship control components, uh, vehicle control components, a lot of control stuff. But at the very back, the way that you're looking at this canister, what would have been the bottom of it, is a sealed black box. It doesn't have any electronic signatures on the front of it, doesn't have any drawings or indicators or anything on the front of it. It's a sealed box with one access port. Can we give it the finger? <laughs> Uh, it's not a finger-sized access port. It's a flat... If you imagine like an SD card slot, that type of shape. Okay. Um, Come on, Fozzer, we're still alive. Let's go and take this one to John. Okay, I was going to suggest I hit it with my wrench. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure John's got some more expertise that he may be able to... Yeah. I'm, well, while they're doing this, I've just walked onto the bridge and I'm just having another scout around to see if there's anything of use. Let's take, uh, let's take this to John. Roll awareness, Where's... please. John. Well, we're asking Chris where John's gone. Oh, he's wandered off up to the uh, bridge. What have you got there? 
Oh, this is Foz's black box. He's been trying uh, to wallop it no. with his wrench. <laughs> you don't see anything, John. Okay. Fozza, come up here, mate. Have a look around. <laughs> is there anything you see of use? <laughs> what am I rolling? Um, awareness. Not to be pedantic in the stereotypical barman in a kind of science fiction setting, but well, it might be worthwhile maybe trying to get in touch with the previous station at Tianisla and seeing uh, when they left and possibly what cargo they took. Uh, no, you don't find anything either, Chris. Hmm. What you do see is... I got a six and a five and a three and I see nothing. Nothing, that's right, yeah. Nothing of use in this scenario. Okay. Sorry, John, wild goose chase. Nothing to see here. Seriously, John, get in touch with the previous station, see if you can get a hold of what it left with and when it left. The only thing you have worked out is that the slot that's on that box could be a coupling slot for connecting it to a ship control system. Or it could work for any control system or any sort of media player. Okay. Uh, can I whisper to Jarvis that um, we get rid of John and take the black box back to his uh, entertainment centre and plug it into one of his um, setups up there? Immersion suites, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, should, we, we should definitely try and do that. Okay, you do that then. John, fancy a beer? Um, well, not right now. I've got this whole situation to deal with. If you, But you guys, seems as I don't know why the hell you're here in the first place. <laughs> None of your job roles have anything to do with this. Just, it's um, because well, you're mates and you stick together. Okay. Yeah, we're just here to give you a hand, mate. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you going with a black box? What black box? D- that black box that you're holding. I put the black box behind my back. I don't have a black box. <laughs> Boz, why are you stood with your hands behind your back? Are you hiding something? No. I know that Foz is a compulsive liar, so I am instantly suspicious. Make an awareness roll. <laughs> <laughs> I better get this roll now. Because it's pissing me off. Can I, can I try and palm the box and see if my agility beats John's awareness? No, oh, I've got no fucking awareness <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm the most gullible... <laughs> operations manager ever Chris is hiding nothing behind his back okay fine you guys go and Grant I'm going to come and have a beer because it's, it's pissed me off <laughs> there's nothing happening here John we might as well seriously there was a guy in the bar earlier on who seemed to know a lot about this pilot so maybe you can come and uh, get some well, information I'll, out of him I'll come for quick bar, you threw him out he'll still be there he took 12 brandies there's no way he got far believe me he won't be <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go for a quick drink then and then I'll go and start going through the computer records you know at the risk of being a corralling sort of GM you could always do it all together well they're trying to hide shit from me so <laughs> I'm trying to don't be bitter <laughs> why don't you just come out and try one of his new games <laughs> okay fine I'll come out with you guys don't split the party Right, you go to the holo simulation suite. Um, in amongst the millions of connections that are in, amongst all these different bits of equipment, Chris J does actually find a connector that does fit this thing. Yep. So it is a connector of some sort. You plug it in, and instantly, a holographic representation of the dead guy on the bridge appears in front of you. And he says, I think I've got away. I think I've got away clean enough. I don't think they tracked me coming here. I just need to get out of this system and try and get back to leave. I need to find Tibbs. If I can't find Tibbs, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with this thing. 
and he shows you on the holographic representation. He doesn't show you as such, but he sh- he looks at a globe about the size of a snooker ball. It's translucent, so it's not completely transparent, but you can see the the things through it. The outline of his hand, for example. So I need to get this information to Tibbs. If he can't get it onwards, then I have to find an alternative method of letting them know what's going to happen. Someone needs to get to the Aurora system and find that ship. He was. was in all your technical expertise, have you ever seen anything like that? No idea. Row. <laughs> Awareness. Is this not knowledge? It might be, it might not be. Make it knowledge, yeah. Uh, with computers? <laughs> yes. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, well, dear. I don't know that. I can't see your sheet, can I? That was crap, wasn't it? That was crap. Damn you, dice. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> can I... Do I, I might have knowledge of this with my imperial leanings. You couldn't figure out Foz with a box behind his back. Yeah, with two sectors, they can figure out more than you can. It's a very sophisticated data storage device which stores information on a galactic level. So it's like a, it, could, it could hold a map. It's, a, it's basically crystal and it can hold a lot of different bits of information in it. The likelihood is that it contains navigation information. Hey guys, that looks like a crystalline storage device. They usually hey. use it to store map information. But it's quite advanced. It's like tech level 14, this type of stuff. It's it's well beyond stuff we got on Lave, Lave Station. So we haven't actually got this ball, have we? It's literally just... No, it might be worth going back down to the ship and having a good search. And who's this Tibbs guy? I mean, Grant, I'm assuming if there's anybody on the station called Tibbs, the bar, the bar steward, no. Oh, I'm not that charismatic. I couldn't give a shit what the names are as long as they're paying. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. Come on, go check your bar receipts. Let's see if some guy called Tibbs has been in there. I'll go have a look at my camera footage. Funnily enough, Grant, the last person whose bar information you checked was actually called Tibbs. Uh, It was that guy at the bar that was drinking all the brandy. I told you about him, John, remember? Yeah, but you didn't say his name was Tibbs. Was it relevant then? I don't think so. Nobody asked. Did they call him Mr. Tibbs? (laughs) <laughs> no, but he seemed to think that something was coming and something was going to happen, so maybe we can... So now we need this guy, and you chased him out of the bar. <laughs> As I said, he had 12 brandies. There was no way he was going far. Oh, for fuck's sake. Have you got a forwarding address for him? Is there any Is there any way you can glean that from his payment records? John. Yeah? You're the operations manager of the space station. <laughs> Right, I'm going to go to the the console, (laughs) and I'm going to bring up the passenger manifest, and I'm just going to see where this Mr. Tibbs is. Is it possible to just hit John with my wrench to see if he can get him working any better? He's doing quite well. Leave him alone. It's late. Tibbs, LJ, Commander, owner of Anaconda-class freighter, registration CX-159, location Docking Bay 14. Now, John, if I was you, I would, you know, I'm not going to tell you your job or anything, but I would certainly suspend any launching authorization for that ship and we get our arses down there with a security team and uh, have a don't, look. Don't tell me how to do my job, Batman. Okay, I want to make a call to the security forces and make sure nobody leaves. <laughs> nobody uh, at all, sir. 
Um, well, you know, unless I say, I don't want anyone leaving. And, um, well, they can come, but no one's leaving, definitely. Okay, docking bay's closed then. Right. <laughs> I think it's about time that we paid Mr. Tibbs a visit down in Docking Bay 14. Okay, you can do that. Guys, all... are you going to come? Or shall Who's I all going security? with you? No, let's see how this pans out. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to ready my club. Okay, you all... I was going to say prance. That's not very nice, is it? You all puddle off down to Docking Bay 14, um, which is... A bay that is currently not on the surface of the station. It's obviously it ships in the hangar bay rather than actually on the docking surface itself. Uh, so it's pressurised. To cut a long story short, John can override the locks on this. It is locked. You can override that and enter. As you enter, you see the man who was at the bar um, being forcefully shoved down the stairs of the exit ramp for his ship. And then a shot rings out. I'm going to duck behind Forza. <laughs> Sod that, I'm running <laughs> Which I'm way? Gonna... The nearest crate to hide behind it I draw my weapon <laughs> Scribble, 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 scribble. <laughs> Good God, man, this is no time for art <laughs> Okay, you draw your weapon What weapons have you all got at this point, by the way? Uh, I've got a small laser I've got a heavy laser pistol Jesus, man <laughs> I've got a five-shot revolver I nearly went for that. <laughs> I think it's realistic. I would have picked up my gun to come down here. I wasn't carrying it before, but I think if we were going to come down to the docking bay to meet this weird guy, I think we'd probably... Yeah, yeah. well, I always carry mine. It's part of my duties. Your weapon was in the same place as D&D Familiar's go. <laughs> Yay, hammer space! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay what, so I've drawn my weapon, and I've What said, weapon have you got, Chris? I've got okay. a shotgun. Okay, you are all armed for bear now. Out of the ship's exit ramp comes a tall figure, tall, thin figure, wearing a very cliched long trench coat thing, um, bald and toting a heavy pistol. He looks up and looks at you and runs back into the ship. Tibbs, or he who you assume is Tibbs, um, is prone on the ground at the bottom of the ramp, one foot on the ramp. What do you do? Tibbs. Get over here. No motion. Ah, oh, apart from a steam, a, a bit of steam comes from his chest. <laughs> oh, or it damn could be it. Uh, well, this ship's not going anywhere, so um, I'm going to go to the panel on the side and communicate with the ship and tell him that there's, you can't get anywhere. Give yourself up. No answer. Really? You're going to give them the your surrounded speech? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to send Fozzer in. <laughs> oh, there's a wrench. No, no, he's armed. He's armed. He's got a, a, a pistol. I've got a laser pistol and great public speaking skills. <laughs> well, let, let's let's surround this ramp from a, a, sort of a reasonably safe distance and see if Fozzer can talk him out. I'd say maybe Second Tech should give the your surrounded speech. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys head on down the ramp. I'm going to call security for some backup. Boop, boop, boop. Security to Docking Bay 14. We have an incident here. Code 19. 19, sir. You're in, in the recycling system. Are you sure that's the one? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the code for um, an armed gunman holding a ship hostage? Oh, that's 17, sir. Oh, all right, code 17, then. <laughs> 
So based on my, seeing as I haven't rolled for a while, so based on my keen understanding of people, so this guy in the, uh, uh, seeing as seeing psychology is one of my aptitudes, what can I kind of read about him? Does he come across as a professional merc or a um, military or police or what? When you walked in, he was in the middle of shooting someone. He then made sure that person was dead, looked at you, then ran back into the ship. Doesn't seem overly professional, but does seem quite dedicated to what he's doing. Not a sociopathic, you wouldn't think, not yet, because you haven't really seen him that, that much to make a judgment. So, no, there's not a lot you can take from that, other than what I've just said. The ship's systems start to come online. The lights start to light up all over the anaconda. He's obviously prepping for some kind of liftoff slash escape slash something to do with the ship. Ah, oh, tits. You realise if you haven't given him launch clearance, he's just going to start shooting his way out. Well, mm. I'm going to make my way out through the docking door. Yes. <laughs> the one that you've just ordered to be locked. Oh. Head, I did head. no, no. I said lock the, the like the, the you know don't let anything in or out of the the, the, the docking bay you know ship wise. But I can get out the door. At this point, I am making hell for leather for the orange sidewinder. Ah, oh, not him as a pilot. Right, fine. I'll run towards the sidewinder because I can't <laughs> trust him to fly it. You can fly it, but I'm getting into something that's pressurized before that big bugger puts a hole in the station. Good plan. I, I follow the rats running from the sinking ship. Fozzer. Fozzer can't take any more. He's going to AFK. Oh, well, I'll, I'll drag Fozzer with me then. Yeah, someone grab second tech. <laughs> he's lost connection and he's now just standing totally still. <laughs> I can do a physique roll if you'd like to try and drag him to the orange sidewinder. We'll, we'll assume that Chris's character will follow blindly anything that you say to do at this point in time until he comes back. Really? Okay, yeah, he follows you. Chris, run for the ramp. <laughs> Behave, children. Uh, so you're heading for the sidewinder. Yes. I'm going to make the assumption that the sidewinder has been slightly converted to be able to handle four or five people in it at one go, given that it's a good crew of one. I'm going to assume you have some kind of passenger cabin installed in it, which you may want to take note of for future <laughs> for future reference for specifications. That would be, be an awesome idea. Include the Asbo sidewinder as you're uh, in the game as an actual template for a ship. Anyway, back to, back to the plot. You head for the sidewinder. You all board on the sidewinder and shut the doors. John, through your personal communication system, you get a link from the station saying that uh, the occupant of cargo bay four, of uh, Loden Bay 14 is demanding takeoff clearance and is threatening to blast his way out of the thing. What do we do? Part of me thinks that I should just call on the station defences to blow him away, but I don't know. I need to find out about this data crystal, so I asked them to patch me through to him and see if he's willing to talk to me. No response. Right. Just tell him that if he doesn't talk to me, then we're just going to blow him up. But then if he blow me up, you won't know why I'm here. Yeah, but we're in a sidewinder. What the hell are we going to do against the, an anaconda if, you, if we do let him out of here? I just yeah, try and We're going to have to follow, follow him. Logically, this doesn't make sense. Right, fine. <laughs> the docking bay door. Well, what would logically have made sense was for you all to run onto the ship after him, but none of you did that. I tried to send Fozzer, but gun. he was AFK. <laughs> he had a gun. You had a gun. This was bigger. <laughs> Don't believe this. Bunch of cowards. Oh, fine. Right. Okay, we're going to let him out. And then we're going to follow him. The station opens its doors. He exits the door. He exits the docking bay. And you all fly up after him. I'm not going to make you roll for anything at this point. It's obviously just basic flight skills at the moment. So you head off out. Are you ordering the ship to open fire on him? Well, no point. well, it depends. Can they wing him? Can they, you know, can they give us an advantage against his ship? They can try. Yeah. 
See if they can disable his weapons and or and or his engines. Three shots lance out from the station's lasers. Um, Two of them don't really hit very well and glance off the shields. The middle shot of the two um, actually does strike him in the engineering area and one engine bursts into flames, which puts a bit of a crimp on his party because he's now drifting slightly while he tries to get this system under control. You have a very brief window opportunity to either to do something about him before he can get himself back under control. Um, I take it that his shields are now down? His shields are down, yeah. Is there a way that we can blast our way into his docking bay and fly the, the sidewinder in? You can try. He's got the flight skill. That'd be you, John, wouldn't it? That's me. Make an accuracy plus your flight, your space flight aptitude. Get in. Bloody hell. With amazing precision, you actually arc weld an entire section out of... Sort of, you, you cut a docking bay-shaped hole out of his side. All right, so can we, <laughs> we're going to fly in there now using my awesome skills. Okay, again, that'll take, a, that'll take some flight skill, that will. So that will be... Let's see accuracy again with flight, space flight. Even nicer. Um, yes, you fly spectacularly well into there. But unfortunately, we're now in a decompressed compartment, aren't we? Hey guys, have you all got your remlocks on? Nope. Did any of you buy a remlock? <laughs> nope. Yep. I bought a remlock, so the Segwender has remlocks in it. Oh, that's the biggest waste of ten credits I ever had. <laughs> okay, so um, who here's got the best weapons? Because they're going to have to go and sort this guy out now. They're going and they're going to have to go out of the sidewinder. Small laser. Oh, it's small now all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm sure it was medium last time. No, it was a, it's a, it's a oh, laser pistol. It was small, small laser pistol. That's what I've got written here. Who's not going to be cowardly? Who's got body armor to start with? Yeah, me. Because I've got none. So um, whoever's oh. basically is everyone except me. Because you want the best pilot staying in the sidewinder, obviously. You arse. You absolute arse. <laughs> okay, well, I'm all right to go. I've got my Teflon bullets for my... Five shot revolver. I'll go. I've got a full charge plus a backup. What armor um, have you got, Gran? I've got the triple overall boots and helmet. Shit. You must have some real trouble in that bar of yours <laughs> if you need to wear triple strength body armor. Well, you know, it gets a bit fun. It's his charming personality that does it. Okay, right. Off you guys go. I'm going to stay in there. Oh, what's Jarvis doing? I've just realised, I was wondering why no one was listening to anything I was saying, and it's because I was muted. <laughs> I thought everyone's been, I thought everyone's been quite rude. Just talking over me. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, <laughs> yeah, so basically I'm going to come because I reckon I can talk him down. And uh, if I can't talk him down, I've got my shotgun, so. Cool. So that's clear, that's, and you're staying in the ship. Right, well, you just guys get on there, and as soon as he's subdued or you've you know, dealt with him, let me know, and I'll come straight on board. John? Yeah? Do you remember last time you let the party all go off and do different things on their own, and you got left alone? Do you, do you remember what happened? <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, I'm in a, a depressurized compartment in a ship. What can possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, oh, no, he said... What- Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here ready for a quick escape in case there's a problem. Oh, you'll get a quick escape, all right. 
Oh, all right, I will stay with the party. <laughs> but I swear, if we end up dying because no one had the ship running, I'm not going to be happy. Right, let's go. <laughs> A-team style. You head off out into the, um, the what was the cargo bay. Um, there's no cargo in it other than your side winner at the moment. Um, there are doors on each side, port and starboard, that you can head through. Pick one. Starboard? What the hell? Yeah. I go where he tells me. <laughs> space, uh, seasoned spacefarer that I am, starboard is right, yeah? Yeah. Brilliant. So are you, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah, we'll no? go starboard. No, the starboard one. Yeah. Okay, there is a corridor. For the benefit of the tape, I'm drawing a map. <laughs> a little corridor that goes off to the, to the starboard side of the ship. Well, we want to press onwards towards the cockpit, don't we, probably? Well, yeah. does, it, does anyone know where the engine room is? We could disable the engines. Why don't you go do that, Grant? Don't split the party! I'm just not well, that technical. Well, it was his idea, but okay, maybe we should send Fozzer. Fine. Jack, does anybody want to go off. with him, just in case? Yeah, I'll go with him, I just don't know where it is. Does right. anyone have a clue about the layout of a anaconda? Fozzer, do you have experience of an anaconda? Dave, do I have experience of an anaconda? Have you ever served an anaconda in your career at any point in time? Uh, probably, yes. Yeah. I think need to be more certain than that. <laughs> yeah, I served one of these things before. I reckon if it's back through that cargo bay, if we take the ports, uh, door on the port side, uh, that should lead us directly to the engine room. What exactly do you want me to do when I get there? Disable the engines. Make sure you can't get them back online. Okay, we're on our way. This might be an opportunity for you to hit something with your wrench. I was to be fair, just that. if there was ever a time you could legitimately, legitimately hit stuff with your wrench, it's, it's now really. Johnny, you and I are pressing forward to the bridge. Right. So two of you are going this way, and two of you are going that way. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'll deal with the people going towards the engine room first, if that's okay. Yep. Right. Um, the port side entry takes you out into a corridor which harks around to the rear of the ship and takes you to the engineering section. The engineering section door is unlocked. What do you want to do? Just going to walk in? I'm going to push Grant through. See well, if it's okay. Don't, don't, don't push me through. <laughs> we know they damaged one of the engines. You go in. Inside there, it's a bit smoky in here. A bit kind of damaged. There are two servitors in here. Which for those of you who don't know anything about robots, they are robots. Obviously not AI equipped because that's not allowed. Two servitors in here who turn and see you come in. They are busily working on the engineering systems at the moment, obviously trying to try and get something working again since one engine just blew up, and they are working away. They turn to you as the doors open. Grant, I reckon we should be uh, blowing both of these robots away. So let's uh, pull out our guns and shoot them. Three, two... Pull out our guns and shoot them. Okay, no, do so. Um, Shooting is accuracy, plus any weapon skills you may have, which in both of your cases is none. Uh, with accuracy. Well, with accuracy of uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> we weren't the best people to send. <laughs> That's two D six. That doesn't look good. <laughs> no, Grant shot nothing. Um, Chris, you managed to shoot one of them, yes. <laughs> um, it falls to the ground with a gaping hole in its side. One is still around and is heading straight towards both of you with its arms flailing. It's vaguely humanoid. Very like skinny humanoid style. Can I hit it in the head with my wrench? You can try. Yeah, go for it. And I'll try that shooting would, it. That would be, uh, for the person using the wrench, it's physique. 
Um, you don't get to use any computing or electronic skills on this. Really? And for the person shooting again, it's accuracy. Okay. Uh... <sighs> it's a good job I'm here, Grant. <laughs> Chris has shot the other one and it falls to the ground with a smoking hole in its chest. I wrenched it. Sorry, you hit it. So you did. I thought you shot it again. Yes, okay. Chris, you smack it with the wrench across the head. <laughs> I shall guess. Yeah. And successfully knock its head off. Clunk, 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 clunk. The body just sort of stands there and flails at you blindly. You can just push it away. It won't get in your way anymore. Right, you have the engine room to yourselves. The starboard side of the engine room is a smoking pile of wreckage with a big laser burn all through it. The left-hand side, or port-hand side of it, sorry, is in reasonably good condition, but obviously filled with a lot of smoke and debris and two broken robots. Can I look out for the main uh, master control panel and then hit it with my wrench? You can. Well, you're looking for that. I'll deal with the other two. Excellent. So, yeah, you guys are heading off that way. You go round, you see the two doors. Which door are you going to take? I think it's one at the top, isn't it? Probably takes us to the bridge. Go through there. You are in a transfer tunnel. Turbo lift, shall we call it, which then takes you somewhere else. Okay, you come out of the turbo lift and into the bridge area of the Anaconda. On the bridge of the Anaconda is one person and one servitor droid at the front seats. As you enter the, the bridge, the both figures turn to see you, and one of them is holding a weapon. Shoot the one with the weapon. Immediately. I was going to say, <laughs> ask okay. any questions. I'm going to indicate for everyone to calm down. I'm going <laughs> to stow my shotgun behind me. It's on, a, on like a strap. And I'm going to hold my hands up in a kind of friendly and... Uh, what? <laughs> uh, but, 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 you know, diplomacy here. And again, I say, really? <laughs> what the hell? This is how I got killed in the last game. Everybody just calm the fuck down. I've got this. He's got psychology attributes. You should have kept your weapon out, mate, because it was two weapons versus one. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody okay. just settle. It's going to be fine. Okay, what happens? Oh, no. <laughs> John gets shot. <laughs> it better not be me getting the guy shot. Sh- the guy shoots his pistol. It doesn't hit anybody, though. Oh. It, goes in bet- it goes in between the two of you. Right, I'm going to return fire. I, I, I grab my shotgun and shout, <laughs> fuck it, slot him. It's, I've already fucking shot him, all right? <laughs> right, make your rolls in for shooting him. Okay. Uh, so what's this? I've, I've forgotten what shooting is. Accuracy. Accuracy. Okay. Yes, one, five, and a four. One, a five, and a four. A five is a hit. You have now shot the person who's shooting at you. Fuck's sake, John. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> one, one, three, and three. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm actually going to make you make a check for that. I was going to um, say, I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> no, because, you know, you, you are shooting towards the front of the ship. And there's a big there's a big glass bit at the front of the ship, isn't there? <laughs> that don't tend to react well to being shot at. No, no don't, don't suck me out. <laughs> no, you're, you're okay. You're okay. You've hit the, ship, you, you've hit the edging of the window. <laughs> it would have been a six. Right. Um, Chris, your shot has hit the guy. Awesome. Um, did you actually aim? No, you didn't aim that shot because you didn't see you were going to aim it. So, can you roll 1d6, please? Yep. Six! Oh! You've shot him in the face! Right. <laughs> with with a shotgun! With a shotgun, yeah. <laughs> what was the distance, though? Because, you know, with a shotgun, it might not have been that bad. Well, I'm going to roll another d6. I'm using the um, the packed rounds because I, I, you know, I nearly loaded <laughs> the deadly stuff. Nice one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I thought if we're inside a pressurized environment, getting the loading it with the widespread shot probably wasn't a good idea. Uh, Roll another good idea. Another d6. Another d6. Yeah. Three. All right. You've, you've, you've shot him in the gob. You shot him in the mouth. This guy is answering no questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of luck that ended up with um, Chris and John both getting their faces shot off. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite fitting that Chris and John are the ones who have actually done this. That karma comes back to get the GM every time you do something like this. In fairness, we gave him the opportunity to talk and he didn't take it. So. He did. But again, as was the case with you both, he wasn't meant to get shot in the face because now how's he going to tell you anything? I can't believe you aimed for his head. You cowboy. In a mist of blood, this guy falls to the ground. He is dead. Yeah. With not say. much of a face left. As I, said, I, don't, I don't know if you're calculating his trauma, but it is trauma three. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dead. <laughs> Head has trauma of two. There is a servitor sitting in the seat looking at where his commander was formerly sitting and just staring at it, not able to really put much of an idea what to do together at this point. <laughs> right, much like the GM. Next. Um, obviously, his action won't be coming, so what do you want to do? <laughs> the servitor kind of looks up at you and goes, I surrender. Yeah, seriously, like I said before, free anaconda. I think it's worked out quite well. <laughs> Look, as as an official of Lave Station, you know, we're not here to pirate ships or anything. I, we need to find out what the hell's going on. So I'm going to go and check the body or what's okay. left of it and see if there's like that shiny bauble thing on it. I hear that. But doesn't Station Regulation 21 say finders, keepers, losers, weepers? Station Rule 21? Isn't that the one about chocolate coins in the machines? Oh, it might be. I think it's on a, I think it's on a space. Vehicle death of 6175.9. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can do what you like. We should probably check his uh, navigation logs and see where he was see where he was locked onto, where he was trying to get to. Before we do that, should we get a message down to the um, the engine bay and tell the guys that we're in control of the ship? That that is a very diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah, we should we definitely shouldn't say that I shot the back of the guy's head off. Meanwhile, in the cargo bay. Sorry, not the cargo bay, the engine room. What are you two doing? Bear in uh, mind you don't you, you don't know any of this has happened. We're still trying to Disable the uh, the remaining engine. Make a knowledge roll, plus your um, and uh, electronics. No, uh, yeah, electronics. Knowledge. No, yeah. computing. Sorry, it's one anyway. Who cares? Uh, okay. Well did my did my message not get there in time about not disabling the engines then? Obviously not. <laughs> that, that is casting a bit of a pall over our free anaconda. Pretty much did a second technician on that one and failed miserably, I think. Yes! Completely <laughs> He's standing there with his, scratching his head, not having a clue what he's looking at, so yeah, that's fine. Right, a message comes down to you guys in the engineering room saying that don't worry about it, we've, yeah. Subdued the aggressor. Excellent, because I didn't have the faintest idea how we were going to stop the ship. Should we go up to the, uh, should we go up to the bridge and help them? Just help them. I'd rather it if you fix the other engine. Oh, now you want me to fix the engine. First you want me to break the engine, now you want me to fix the engine. <laughs> well, the one that we blew up on the way in. Yeah, think about oh, what you yeah. just said there. The one that you blew up and you wanted to fix it. There were some droids attempting it, so can't Fozzer attempt it? How do you know the other droids are trying to fix the engine? They were in the engine room. Oh, well, okay. I, 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 I thought I heard you say that they were trying to fix something. They could have been. They may not have been. But put it this way. The starboard engine is slag. The entire control mechanism for it has been blown clean out of the ship. Yeah, sorry, boss. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do with this other engine. 
Right, well, when we've searched this guy, I suggest maybe we jump in the sidewinder and get the hell out of here. Roger, roger. Are there any cleaning droids down there? We've got a situation up here. Uh, there were two, but Grant and I seem to have broken them. Okay, carry on. There are other droids in the ship. Um, if you take some time to notice, you can check on the ship's sensors that there are other maintenance bots on the ship. The ship has been automated so that it can be flown by one person, because I um, don't know if it's canon or not, but anacondas usually have more than one person crew. And they've, got, they've got three seats on the bridge, have they? That is correct. Yeah, so this has been automated to be used by one pilot and some servitors to do the rest of the dirty work he doesn't want to do. So, you now have an anaconda to yourself. Are you going to do anything with it, or are you just going to jump on the sidewinder and bugger off again? I'm going to make a slightly outrageous suggestion. What we should actually do is we should write this adventure into canon, and from now on, Lave Radio broadcasts from their stolen anaconda. (laughs) Because that's awesome. I'm still looking for this shiny ball. Ah, yes. Yes, the plot. The thing that we forgot about. The plot. Jarvis, do you want to help John look for his balls? I think I have some expertise in this area. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help John search for this crystalline storage device. Where? On the guy's body. No, it's not on the guy's body. I won't even make your roll for that one. Can I check the navigation console, which might accept it as a input device? The navigation console is a pretty standard one. It's not fancy. It doesn't have a receptacle that looks like it would fit some kind of big ball. And what about the servitor? Does it have the ball as an input? Interesting. Oddly, you should say that, but yes, the central chest cavity of the servitor does have what looks like a receptacle that would fit that kind of device. Wrench. Is it in there? No. No. Damn it. Don't tell me this guy's robbed the anaconda, but he forgot to take the ball off the body of the guy <laughs> that, that he shot. No, he hasn't done that, but no. there is something you're overlooking. Well, I, I, we should simple. search it's the entire box. bridge, really, in case it's rolled out somewhere, I guess. You said the entire bridge. No, it's not on the bridge. Has he got, got a room? Has he got a cabin or something that we can There search? you go. We should search his cabin. Okay, let's go to the cabin. I won't make you roll it, because obviously I've kind of given it away by pushing you there. So, In the cabin, in a box, against the wall, is the crystal bottle type thing. We should plug it into the robot. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because we don't, we don't want to do this. There must be another way to analyse it rather than putting the robot who's then going to steer it somewhere. Sounds like a good plot device to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, fine. Let's stick it in the robot. Excellent. Democracy in action. Okay. You put the ball in, into the droid's chest. I should really think about this stuff before I say it, shouldn't I? Um, you put the ball into the droid's chest and it's, it puts its head oddly to one side and says, Processing. Do you wish me to activate this program? I hope this program isn't a destroy all humans program. <laughs> Hold on, before they push that button, where are Grant and I? I don't know, where are Grant and you? I'm hoping as far away from that droid as we can be. <laughs> and that was me thinking that you were going to come up to the bridge. <laughs> yeah. We are in the engineering room. <laughs> we may want to get over here. <laughs> oh, fine, activate it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, the program you've just loaded is a navigation program. No. Yeah. So it says that in the current condition of the Anaconda, with one engine down, it is not advisable to use this ship. Sensors do detect another ship of suitable size and ability in the cargo hold. Road do you wish to trip. use that ship instead? Yay, let's take the droid to the side sidewinder. Excellent. Okay, but we're coming back for this Anaconda. <laughs> well, you, you can arrange that quite easily by getting John to have the other station personnel tow it on board. And I'm fairly clear, seeing as I shot the previous owner, that the Anaconda is mine. 
<laughs> There's probably um, some paperwork to fill in, but for the time being, yes, it's yours. Result. No, I'm afraid this you... is definitely the property of Lave. There's no way you're having it. <laughs> my, yeah, I'm, my shotgun with five remaining slugs says it's mine. Which one of you can fly it? Oh, me. Fine, let's get in the sidewinder. Okay, you take the servitor onto the sidewinder and exit the... Uh, Wait box. for us! <laughs> <laughs> you're all board. Board. As I said, you're all it's on board. It's pretty cushy on there, yeah. It must be pretty <laughs> packed on that sidewinder. In fact, if it, I take it that the droid's in the navigation chair, is he? <laughs> well, the droid's on the bridge with you, with, <laughs> with whoever's flying it, yes. There's not really enough room for everyone to be on the bridge. We're in the cargo bay. Okay, you better strap down then. Try and stop all the radio equipment going all over the place. <laughs> well, the good news is, because it's the, the uh, orange sidewinder of lay radio, there's plenty of brandy on board. That's true. <laughs> okay, release the balls. <laughs> okay, the servitor looks over the navigation systems, accesses the galactic map, and programs in a destination. The destination is not on the map. It's actually located somewhere between Orerv and Tianisla. Oh, uh-oh. Which space? Dark space. It hits the hyperdrive button, targets everything. John, you have to pilot, obviously, the, the nitty-gritty of getting it lined up. And you enter hyperspace. Hyperspace takes a bit longer than normal, you notice. And is a little bumpier. You know, there's more of the bright flashes that go off. There's more whooshing noises and eerie noises that happen. And then you exit hyperspace into a dark system. Thank goodness, I thought it was going to freeze for a minute there. (laughs) Your sensors show a system devoid of planetary activity. A nebula is bright on your port side towards the galactic centre. Hanging in the middle of space in front of you is a wreck place where ships of all descriptions, all sizes, all designs from time immemorial tumble and twist in front of you. Of particular interest is a large cylindrical ship which tapers to a point at the front and has several engines bolted to the back in a haphazard fashion. The ship's surface is scored with millennia of micrometeorite strikes and along the side reads Deep Space Cruiser Phantasm. This is a generation ship. An old decrepit, broken generation ship. What secrets may it hold inside? Only you can find out. I like Alvin's music. It goes really well for that sort of narrative. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody would think he'd actually written it for the Elite Universe. For audiobooks. Would that be a good place to leave it and say that is a scenario uh, and then you'd pick up what happens next in another scenario? We can do that, yeah. I mean, that's a good place to pause. We have spectacularly failed to test ship combat. Yeah, pretty much. You were supposed to actually board the Anaconda and use the Anaconda to get to this point and then there'd be a battle here, but because you've sort of left the Anaconda behind, the ship combat part of it kind of fell away. So instead of coming out in a mighty Anaconda, we're supposed to go out there in an Asbo Sidewinder. Pretty hey, much, yeah. Well, hey, I tell you what, there was some ship combat. I managed to, you know, cut a hole in the back hole? of the Anaconda. I mean steering and manoeuvring and things. Oh, sorry. Because that's the complicated bit of the rules. Position from here is that the generation ship is a derelict, but it does have. What? 
I think they, they want to make it a two-parter, I think. <laughs> All right. Do, do you want to actually play it again after this, then? I thought you wanted yeah. to stop it there. All right. Yeah, no, no, mate. I've had a great time tonight. There's no way. I, I want to know what the story happens. I want to know what happens next. I'm keeping my character. I want everybody to come back in a, you know, a week's time or something, and we, we continue. Quite happy to do this again next Sunday. And have you the bits that you've just done at the end, how much of that was you making up, and how much of it's actually written down? That was completely made up. The whole thing was made oh, up. Oh, man. Okay, and that's the uh, the end of tonight's session. Uh, always happy to leave these sort of things on a cliffhanger, but I know for a fact that I'm going to be coming back and hopefully joining up again with Dave, with John, with Chris, and with Grant to find out exactly what's in that derelict spaceship. So uh, before we end the podcast, uh, if you've stuck with us this far, congratulations. Uh, just a few summary points about what the guys thought about playing the game. Certainly, uh, for Grant and myself, it was the first time we'd played it. Chris, I know you and John have played it uh, once before, but from my point of view, I was amazed at the quality of the of the storytelling. I mean, that's the first time I've experienced a, a proper uh, tabletop role-playing game and fully understood the, the role of the, the games master throughout the entire narrative. And Dave, I have to say, I, I was blown away by how well he managed to hold the story together under some challenging circumstances and alcohol, of course, from your participants. But I was also quite surprised how quickly I didn't feel awkward. That was the one thing I felt about you know, coming on and doing this show that it felt a bit, I mean, obviously super nerdy, but having to sort of play out your character, I thought it was going to feel quite awkward. But within the first uh, 15 minutes, less than, it just felt perfectly natural to sort of be in the uh, in the world that you created and, and following through the story. So it was an amazing experience. Thank you very much indeed, mate. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, Grant, what did you think, mate, as you were the other uh, person popping his cherry tonight on uh, role-playing games? It's, a, it's quite amazing how quickly you get suckered in and um, also how paranoid people that have played it before seem to be <laughs> and refusing to do anything whatsoever. I just send Fawzit and that'll be fine. <laughs> the self-preservation kicks in and you start thinking, you oh, know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look in that box. No, no way. <laughs> Yeah, there's certainly one point where I was actually trying to forcibly push you into a room ahead of me and use you as a human shield, which, okay, may have been a little bit on the spineless side, but you're right, that sort <laughs> of, I want to live at all costs, uh, it certainly does come across, because you're, you're engaged in the character, you're, you're sort of, yeah, I mean, it took us a while to actually roll out these characters and, and create them, so you are invested uh, in the characters, you don't just want to sort of die at any point, but um, Chris, John, you've done this before, uh, is that pretty uh, pretty standard? Well, I was going to say, actually, the first time I played it, um, I had, like, a pre-rolled character, um, and I kind of just went with it, and I just gave it my all. But I don't know, I, what you just said there, because I, I rolled my own character, I kind of got attached to him, so I was a bit more cautious this time, a little less blasé about running into um, potential sources of danger. So, um, yeah, I was quite keen to get a second tech fozzer to go and uh, test things out first. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, I think for me, just you know, an observation as having played a sort of a few tabletop games now is, you know, if anyone's listening, thinking, oh well, that's fairly untypical that you know the plot went completely off the track and tangents happen here and there. It's actually, to be honest, that was all pretty standard. <laughs> I was all pretty standard stuff, you know, doing things that perhaps wasn't in Dave's plan and perhaps making the in inverted commas wrong choices. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all interesting stuff. I mean, just as an observation, you know, for myself, and, and I think this happens, and you have to sort of roll with it and adapt, the, the character that I'd kind of rolled in terms of the content of the adventure didn't really have all that many applicable skills 
to what was going on. And there's always a danger with that when you, you know, because like I randomly rolled one of my aptitudes and ended up with driving, uh, which is obviously a very much a ground vehicle based skill. So if you're playing a game that involves being on lave station first and then kind of traveling on board ships, you know, that's not something you know, you're, you're really going to use. But I mean, these things come up in role playing games and you have to kind of ad- adapt your role and your contribution to the story accordingly. So, uh, but still really enjoyable. But I think the, the highlight for me had to be, I mean, completely out of character with the, the normal second tech uh, character. But going down into the engine room and managing to uh, destroy one droid with a, a laser pistol and then with Grant firing waywardly all over the place, walking up to the next one and knocking its head off with the, with the wrench. Just, you know, it was a great heroic moment, but completely out of character to the normal second tech that you get. So thank you very much to the dice on that front. Every dog has his day. <laughs> and that was mine. I do think Roll20 is something that we might have to have a look at in a bit more detail. Oh, Roll20 is great. It's got a lot of useful tools in it. I quite enjoyed using it. I'll let you say that it's not it's not conducive to audio. But though, I mean, the thing about it is, is that it kind of <clears throat> certainly if you're doing like a D and D campaign or something, it puts. It, I think it does put a lot of pressure on the GM to kind of pre-draw environments and stuff because there's a lot of cut and paste clip art that you can use to create some quite nice scenarios. But you have to be able to prep and go in the game beforehand and set it up. And of course, if you know, as we've discovered tonight, sometimes you have a plan for a game, and then actually you could draw a whole location that your players, for some reason, then never go to. So yeah, yeah isn't that the case with any sort of role playing though? That a GM can prepare a whole you know, section of the game that actually doesn't get access. It depends how tight your environment is and how tight kind of narrative control you want to take on the story. We'd have been screwed if the um, sphere had been left in the body of the station. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, it was. The way it was written, he had it on his person at the time. <laughs> the first method was that the actual black box that you plugged in had the ball in it, and then you all left that behind. And then it was on, <laughs> then it was on Tibbs's body, and then you left him behind. <laughs> that's, that's how GM intends to work. You have to adapt to what the players actually do. That, that's why you never write anything down in stone and say, it's yeah, here. Yeah. You always have to make sure that the players find it the way that they actually go to find it. And that's, as I say, that's one of the reasons why I never ever plan anything out to any particular detail, because yeah. there's no point. You'll, you'll get five minutes into a game and you'll be off on a tangent. Well, brilliant. So I hope those people that have uh, stayed and listened to all of that have uh, have enjoyed it. Um, I certainly have. I know the guys certainly have. And we will attempt at some point in the future to bring you the next installment of that particular scenario. Uh, but for the time being, a massive thank you from all of us to Dave Hughes. Uh, congratulations on what is a fantastic project and all the best in the future with it, mate. Thank you very much. And thank you for playing. I'm glad you like it. And we'll see you guys next time.
No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Brilliant. So have we, have we now inadvertently ended up with a new sub-podcast? <laughs> Just the Elite Encounters podcast. <laughs>